You know, I think that my one thing that I will continue to do, I'm going to bring it back into my home and talk about how I am going to continue to raise my children and expose their friends to the world of strength and leadership and love for all humanity. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale. And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch, or two, or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper, behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us. Hey, let's continue with some of these amazing conversations that we do um, and just let a few people in on that conversation, right? It's, uh, um, I love those things that you, you bring to our attention and I think um, story and, and if we think of what uh, we had the conversation around with Earl, this, we've all got a story. We've, we've all got a story that was our once was but we also all have a story of what our story can be. And I, I love the fact that you help to give voice to humanity and advocate for people that maybe haven't had a voice, that need to know how to have a voice. And, and the, you know, you give, you give that help to be able to do that. And I think sometimes when we've had that help, and we're able to take it to another level, we then in our own lives, we see that we have a voice. So it gives us the ability, not just, it's like you hold our hand on that piece, but then it also gives us a voice. And, and I love that. And, you know, that's come up a lot at, at, you know, around the conversations that we've had here at the forum already. And uh, we have to go there. Like, you know, you and I have talked so many times around not just having amazing women, more women at the table, and we talk about that at top tables. Um, it's about having the right, like, women having, you know, in my view, it's about women that are actually smart and add value to that table, uh, less about having all the numbers right and keeping it kosher in that way. How, what is your thinking around the whole woman at top tables or more women at the table, that kind of conversation? Let's begin there. So, yes, we've talked, uh, gosh, so much about this issue. And, and I, I think that um, I was just digging out some, some, some notes here that mm. I intended to talk about. But um, I think that when you are um, coalition building around an issue, for example, I'll use some real work life experience here, um, having diversity at the table. I don't think that it's just women at the table that's important. I think it's having diversity at the table in terms of age, gender, political views, 
religion, socioeconomic status. Uh, you know, when we focus on just checking a box, right? Oh, we need three more women on the board or, you know, that it's not, that's not what it's about. Um, it's, it's about having a diverse table in so many different um, ways beyond gender, beyond race. Um, that I think is just so so critical because I mean, let's face it. Um, you look at these legislatures and it's a bunch of old white guys. I mean, they are, just to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do we have women? Do we have African Americans? Yes, we do. But by and large, yeah. it's a bunch of old white guys. Yeah. And um, those are the those are the ones who are, are are making these decisions. So it's critical that folks like myself and others are able to be the voice for other mm-hmm. other areas beyond beyond gender beyond race mm-hmm. um so that we can help them make decisions that are best for our uh humanity right so not just um what they think is good yeah. but but really are, are are we thinking diverse enough Um, when we're thinking about who has a seat around that table. Here's the funny thing. And in fact, the next one after you, who we're going to have a conversation with is Dr. George Birnbeck, who I think is in the house. So welcome in the house. Um, But so he's one of those white guys, um, but he's a freaking smart white guy who has so much to add to the table. Right. And I think it is literally um, less about all those other things. And you know, the, what you spoke of, and more about amazing humans having a voice at that table and um and so if we go back to the 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 talk about and I think it is it is important as females that there is the need for more females to be stepping up so how do we get from you know and that's the thing that I keep going back to that this forum is about is that we want to get from problem to solution Mm -hmm. um but and and a lot of the times it's by little culture shifts that we need to make to get to that solution so we're not saying we're going to jump from problem to solution we're saying let's just get movement forward right the fact that we do need as you say more diverse thinking thought um people uh that they you bring to those table with their distinctions that they bring to the table if we are going to get from where it is now and here's the thing i think the white guys at the table the older guys is because that was the system that was put in place and gave voice to that kind of criteria or whatever you want to call it and so that's why we now still have it because there was a system in place and we were conditioned into well this is the way that we do it this is how it does so how do we get from where this is where we are to going say if it's more women at the table how do we get from that to that you know, I think that, um, and we've talked a lot about this, you know, mm. how do we get more women at the table? And I think that um, it's, it's got to be more than, you know, oh, let's get two more women who, who are going to fill the box, right? This isn't mm-hmm. a check the box sort of thing. So how do, we, how do we create an environment within our organizations, within our companies that that attract women to those companies. So it's things like 
flex time is things like just creating uh, environments in which they feel comfortable and they feel welcome. So um, you want it to be more organic. Of course, you're, 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 you're creating this environment, but, but you want the fact that they, they rise to the management level and have a seat at the table to be more organic in nature and not just, oh, Lori, you're female, I need you to be here. You've got to start with creating a funnel where they are filling it with qualified women who who want to be at your company. And at the same time, you're you're creating that environment where they they want to be there. But then you're pouring into them. You're supporting them. You're providing them with not only a place that they want to be, but um, education and opportunities to help them grow as people, to to help them grow as leaders so that um, they become the women who are naturally in those upper management level positions who, who will then take their seat at the table, mm. right? They're not given their seat at the table, mm. but they are grown to, to grow into that seat at the table. And that's what you and I have talked so much about is, you know, how do we do that? How do we, how do we create um, this environment where it's not checking the boxes, right? Like you really want these, the, you want those women to be there because they're the smartest and best leaders to be there. Yeah. But how do you do it? How do you get them there? How do you keep them there? How do you, how do you pour into them so that they continue to grow as, as leaders? So, you know, it's not a, it's not a guy. It's not a quick fix. It's not a matter of, oh, we will have 50% women on our board. Like it's, no. We're we're taught to think that way. And and so in that way, it kind of widens the the space between what is now to what is what we're meant to have. And so in a lot of ways, if you think in leadership, it's really easy just not to go there because it Mm -hmm. becomes too, you get in the overwhelm, right? Like when we're trying to do something that seems so big and it's like, how do you shift? Or it seems so far from what we're used to. And I think... If you think about it, what it, we even with the systems, right? Um, uh, if we have systems that are put in place, what what do we do to start thinking? How can we change? Even though the system, so it might be government, it might be policy, it might be all of those things that mean that it's sort of a, a glued into our our culture, right? Our, our outside culture, our thinking, our companies. And then there's some things that you can't change necessarily be because in a really quick way, because it's so set in place. How do we start or what are good places to start to think, well, actually, I'd love to see policy change or I'd love to be doing it in a way that does have um, will bring awareness to, to things into the limelight in the right way that we can help not feel so helpless often. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there's an easy answer for any of this. And, mm. you know, we've talked for years now about, <laughs> still haven't figured it out I mean, years, <laughs> about how we, how we have an impact on this. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because we come from two different countries and I think culturally there are differences Absolutely. and uh, across the world. So, you know, again, you have to understand that the way that it may work here may not work here or, or may not work here. And, um, 
I think getting businesses and organizations to understand the value of having women at the as a seat at the table, not just, oh, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Or, oh, we'll look good because of it. But again, back to the data piece, right? Like there's data that shows that companies that have a certain percentage of women in upper management positions make more money. Mm. They just do. So even if they don't think it's the right thing to do, I think that they would like to make more money as a business and as an organization. (laughs) So for that reason alone, um, and it starts with just educating. It starts with educating. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Joe's asking. So Joe, do you want to unmute yourself um, and come on with camera? Hey, just for everyone um, that's in the house, make sure you put the cameras on. It's much easier to communicate when we've got cameras and we love seeing your amazing faces. Dr. George Brownback is in the house. Um, Welcome, welcome. Uh, So Joe, you have a question and I think it's good if you ask that straight to Laurie. Yeah. You know, is it the job of the organization to attract a certain type of women or do we need to actually be empowering women and nurturing women to give them the skills uh, so that that organizations will say, of course, it's brilliant to bring her in because she's so valuable. Uh, I wrote a book. It's, you know, but nurture up economics. If we want women to thrive tomorrow, how can we nurture them and equip them with the skills and the knowledge and the wisdom uh, you know, if you want them to thrive tomorrow, we need to nurture them today. So how can we access and, and provide more of that nurturing? Yeah. And it doesn't apply just to women. It's everybody. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. I mean, it applies to leadership in general, but women specifically. Um, yes, I agree with you completely. I think it's both, right? So I think it's, it's um, our job as people to uh, empower and educate and build women leaders as soon as we can, right? I've got two little girls, 10 and 12. And um, it's my passion and dedication to raise them to be strong, strong, capable um, young women and and leaders in their own right. So I think it's our job as people in in our communities and our neighborhoods and our schools to, to be doing that for women and girls. But I think it's also the responsibility of these companies to create the environment in which they want to be, right? Gone are the days where the men worked and the women stayed home and took care of the kids. And so these companies need to, need to um, understand that, you know, the way they used to do things isn't, isn't necessarily uh, how they should continue. And how do we create environments in which these women can, can blossom and grow. And it's not just about being moms, right? Like that's the cliche that's constantly like, Oh, we need to add flex time because the moms need to take the kids to the doctor's office. Like it's not about that. You know, I'm in that position right now where I have kids, but I also have aging parents. So to me, it's allowing flexibility for men and women to be able to do their jobs, do it, flex, do it well, but have the flexibility to, um, also run their households and be parents and be daughters and be neighbors and, you know, do all the things that we need to do. So I think it's, it's both, I think it's both things, Joe. I think it's, it's our responsibility to empower women and grow good leaders, but it's also the responsibility of these organizations to create an environment where they can flourish. You know, I, 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 um, 
um, I, I have this another phrase that I coined, and that is employer reliance. We've created an employer reliance culture instead of a self-reliant culture. And one of the problems is as soon as you take on a job, you give a lot of your personal power away. Uh, what can we do to um, empower more women to really be self-reliant and take full accountability for like the track of their career mm-hmm. so that like instead of saying the organization should do these things, you know, anybody can be CEO the moment you start a business, boom, you're CEO. And so how can we like um, empower women to like actually be more um, self-reliant instead of relying on others? You know, I think it goes back to, you know, as a parent, I'm, I'm doing that with my girls. I think that we infuse more of that into our schools. I think that we, um, you know, have more conversations around that in general and across the board. Um, you know, I, I am constantly feeding into my kids this message, sometimes maybe too much because I think it comes back at you, right? But um, what is that uh, phrase, something about you really um, appreciate your, your feisty daughter until it comes, yeah. comes back on you. But, um, you know, I remind myself someday they will be great leaders. I just hope it's of a company and not in a jail. Um, but it's, it's, um, I just think it's our responsibility as parents and it's our responsibility to do it for our neighbors and our neighbor kids and our, our, you know, everybody knows that having those, um, uh, having that encouragement and having those examples of being in front of, you know, being a good example for people, um, you know, understanding that, hey, maybe if your life didn't start off the way that you wanted it to, you still can do so much. I've got a good friend who um, she used to work in the prison. She used to work in the juvenile prison and, and she came from a rough life and she she loved this job because she was able to show them that you can be successful, that you don't have to, you know, sell drugs. You don't have to continue the cycle of poverty that you came from. Uh, and really just sharing her story. So I think that those examples like that, that um, it's just being very intentional about um, our encouragement and our empowerment and, and, and looking across the board at ways to do that. So good. Yeah, thank you, Joe. appreciate that. Um, Tanya Allen, are you, can you put your camera on? I'd love to have your thoughts around this in Women in Leadership. Hey, Kiri Marie, I can't put my camera on. It's okay, but you can talk and that's good. Yeah, the camera doesn't work on this laptop and I'm still in bed. Is that terrible? No, that's great. I wish I was because it's actually quite cold in my room right now. I've got my hands in my pocket. Um, But what do you think about this topic? Um, You know, I'm going to be really honest. I've been zoning in and out. So, so just, um, just refresh my, my brain. Well, what about like, I guess having more women in leadership, um, having more women, uh, we've talked about empowering women to be. And, and women on the board and all that sort of stuff. Just thoughts around it, really. I just thought, I know you're involved with it. Um, and I just wondered what your thoughts were on it. Yeah. I mean, when I first started in consulting 20 years ago, it was a man's world. Mm. And and I was fortunate enough to be part of a, a global consultancy where um, Dan Penner, you know, one of the $50 billion man, I was the only female on the board and I felt out of my comfort zone. But I still I still played the part and add massive value and, 
and and that was on a global level when I was just 33. I've seen such changes, yet still from that point of view, from a mindset, I think there's, there's a lot of impact that we're making as women on the board, but also in leadership as well. But I, I, I do think that there's still some, uh, do I call it old, old school thinking? Of course. Um, yeah. Old, whatever you want to call it, conditioned (laughs) mindsets. And I also think, I think women need to, and this comes from a personal level, but I think women need to also trust in self to be able to really step into that leadership role. And not that we want to say, oh, we're women and they're men, but I think women come bring a, a totally different dynamic. And you know, I'm in franchising a lot. So, so women bring a different energy and a different dynamic and a different level of thinking. I love the man's brain. Don't get me wrong. Sorry for all you men on here. But I, I, think, I think we've earned our right now to, yes. to yes. you know, step up to that equal playing field and, and have a nice balanced dynamic in, in the leadership world. Mm. I love that and I think it does. It comes down to us as females giving ourselves permission to be at that table and I think... And that's the word, Kiri Marie. It's that permission. So when I first, I was thrusted into the world of, of, you know, boards and leadership and everything and and it was a bit like the fake it till you make it. Now, I had great mentors and but I had to really shift quickly and, and go... No, I can add value. What I'm bringing to the table, I can trust my voice. And obviously, I mean, you know, I don't want to express my age, but I am 50 this year. So, <laughs> so you know, it, it is a case of just going, yeah, what we bring to the table, we can make a difference. We can make an impact as equally as, as our partners, our colleagues who are male, you know, however we identify ourselves as. Yes. And and I think that's the important, the collective voice, even flowing on from what we we're talking about yesterday, Kiri Marie, mm. in, in terms of of those global issues and and you know even identifying what problems are. I think it comes down to as women, we'll see more women in leadership when we actually trust in our voice. Yeah, good call. Yeah. A slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? To maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or truly do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay, I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership. As founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem. 
where humanity, like you, are stakeholders to design cutting-edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. May I add something to that? Absolutely, Earl. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, It just so happens, uh, and not knowing that this discussion was going to occur, uh, that I've been tackling that for some time. And again, always trying to do so in a manner that demonstrates a result from my intention. So now I find myself working in the midst of more women than I do men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the benefit of that, and not because I made a decision that I was going to go out, I'm, I want to be surrounded by women. But when my intention shifted to truly having the agnostic best, mm. then that opened the door fully uh, for women to step in. And what I witnessed was, as you just said, Tanya, that, that so many women were not giving themselves permission Mm. to be women yep. mm-hmm. in the in the presence of men mm-hmm. because yes. there is a system and yes. ism yes. about how a woman is supposed to be a woman in the presence of men. Mm-hmm. So I found myself responding to that by, by making this statement mm-hmm. that it is relevant to me uh, as we approach this business endeavor, whatever it is, it is relevant to me that you understand that you have my permission to be all that you are as a woman, mm. not as a man, not as a woman trying to match me as a man, but being who you are. Mm. Now, all that's left for you to do is to give yourself permission to be all that you are as a woman. And so now uh, I, I love what you say, Earl, when you said you opened the door. Yes. And I think not only, I think it's a nice balance, not only women have to give themselves permission, but it's also walking into environments where, where men are ready and willing to open the door. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. that we're waiting for men to open the door, but do you know what I mean? And I sure. think this is I, I think this is beautiful the way that we've kind of opening up this conversation on this. And I just want to say one thing. Um, it's interesting because in my world, what is I mean, that's why we've got a lot of really strong males on this as speakers as well, is because actually in my world, I have got strong males supporting me and my inner circle is actually based on a lot of males in my world. Why? Because here's the thing, that a lot of females have seen me in the past because I am a strong female, because I don't muck around. I was either said that I was too masculine or you're just too full on or I have no idea how to cope with her. She's just crazy. Um, Sounds familiar. (laughs) Right? And so there was this stigma as a female if you are a strong female amongst males, that, um, you know, that is seen as a negative, not a positive. And because of that, um, 
it, it's been a hard ground to keep continually changing that. Mm. And we need to have conversations around that. We need to think, how can we, as, and I think it's really important. I hope that I've been able to do this, but be really strong in a, in a human world of where we need to be at the decision table. So having the males and females at the table, but keeping very feminine and who I am at the table as well. And I think I try really hard to present as someone that has smarts at the table and I am strong and I won't back down from them, but I'm still very much the loving. That's why I think, you know, and this is what where all of this circles into, that I believe absolutely that we should be focusing on our economic growth and making sure that we've got things in place because that resources us. It gives us the access to tools, to things that we wouldn't be able to have if we didn't have that in place. But I also think that we need to think of humanity and the impact in which every decision we're making. And that is the both sides, I believe, joining together where a lot of people separate it. It's coming say, together. Yeah. It's that coming together, right? And I think we can talk about this and we'll continue to talk a lot about it. What I do want to circle just before we move on is we have talked a lot about, um, Laurie, the, the females. And thank you, Tanya, for that. That was so good. Um, but we've, we've talked about, you know, having more females at the table, all that sort of thing. But I think we also... If we go back into the conversation, Earl, you know, we've gone from saying actually it's more about having more of the um, diverse, you know, uh, humans at the decision table. Um, with that in mind, Earl, um, if we go back to our earlier conversation, how do we have more diverse people. Having heard what Laurie and I have been talking about and then Tanya, what she was talking about and adding into it, and then the questions that Joe asked of it, what do you think from that? I, I, I truly believe, uh, and, I, and my belief, I define belief as being in the living of. So if I say I believe something, but I cannot demonstrate it through my walk, through my action, then I don't really believe it. I believe that we can actually make a difference immediately. Any group of us can get together and say, hey, let's create a solution. If we modify the language that we use in identifying the solution, we've immediately altered the problem. Therefore, the solution takes a different pathway. So for instance, if it is, how do we identify a means by which women are no, are no longer objectified, uh, reduced in their, in their wage value, um, uh, uh, limited in their, uh, in their growth uh, potential? How do we address that? Well, we address it by recognizing it first for what it is. It's not personal. It's not emotional. It may have those impacts, but that's not what it is. Mm. So identify what it is, and what it is is a system that is fearful of what change will occur and how that change will impact if women are allowed free access. And, and note that what I just said applies to various categories, yeah. whether it's the system of race, 
for the system of women. So, yes, I think that if women first, I would love to be a party to this. Mm -hmm. If women coming together and let's discuss how uh, uh, how we identify the issue, not just calling it what the system calls it. Well, you know, it's uh, it's womanism, it's uh, unfair treatment of women, it's uh, sexism, it's uh, whatever. Get rid of all of that. Yes. Let it go. Let it go and call it first by the name that you want it to be. Not by the name, because that you, you, you don't get any power by calling it what it's been assigned. <laughs> you get power by taking that, that power and, and authority and calling it by what you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, so good. And Laurie, what, what would you say on this? I mean, I totally agree with you, Earl. I think that it's time to stop asking for permission. And I think that we as women need to understand that until we have strong men supporting us and helping us along the way, it's going to be really difficult for us to, to get beyond, you know, I, I, and I know this isn't unique to what I do professionally, but I work in a very, very male dominated world. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the time I am the only woman at the table, but I don't see that as something that is a hindrance. And I don't see that as something that, uh, and I, I kind of like it actually. And, um, but I also understand that I can say the same thing that my male counterpart sitting next to me will say, and he will be strong and I will be called another name. And it, you know, it just comes with it. And, you know, I have a, a great story. I think I've shared this with you before, Carrie Marie. I've got, like I said, two little girls, one is 10 and my 10 year old um, is very athletic and she loves to play football. And I got a call from the school one day um, that said, um, Mrs. Kirshner, I need to talk to you. Um, it's about your daughter. I said, okay, um, what happened? He said, well, she strangled a boy at recess today. And I said, oh my goodness, she strangled a boy at recess. That's certainly not something we, we support. <laughs> <Every day. laughs> uh, you know, so we had a conversation when she got home, of course, about what's going on. She was playing football with these boys mm -hmm. and she was the only girl, of course. And um, she went to go for the ball to catch the ball and this boy was in her way. So she moved him out of the way. She didn't strangle him. She moved him out of the way. And I said, well, sweetie, I said, maybe you just need to not be so rough with the boys when you're playing football at recess. And she said to me, but mom, if I don't, they're going to think I'm weak. And I said, I hear you. Mm. I hear you. Because sometimes we have to be really strong, stronger than maybe we even need to be to get are to for them to see who we are and and sometimes we have to so and i told her i said i i hear you yeah. i said just don't get caught <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a beautiful story i love that one um and it's so true and i think you know one of the things that we've all agreed on is that permission piece but i actually think that we as females need to give ourselves permission first because when we give ourselves permission males around us see hey, there's just no need. Like, she's, she knows she's going to be here. Like, it seriously is. And to surround yourself with people 
who are and males that are, are really beautiful, hence the amount of males that are in the room here, um, that support and um, do love and empower women at the table. So I love that conversation around it. I've got one last question before we move on. And this is a question that I'm asking everyone. I know we'll have to get back to you because I didn't ask you, but I've asked every other speaker. And that is, um, it's, it's what I'm asking of everyone here at the forum. It, it, you know, I created the 1% movement for a reason. And that reason was that a lot of the time we see problem, we see solution. Um, but solution seems so far away, right? And, um, you know, if I look at my big reason to why I think Global Human Intelligence Forum is a good thing to have is because my big audacious goal is what if we could have uh, 100% for humanity culture going forward? Like that to me would be just so awesome. Like every decision that was made at the decision table, it was what is this going to add to humanity? Is this the best for what humanity needs, not just now, but going forward and the generations to come, right? That is that is my big audacious goal. Now I could say that's pretty huge and go, I just don't know where to start. And so I pulled it right back to where, where, where are we now and how can I know that I'm moving closer? So you talk about data and the importance of research and things like that. Well, here's why I'm doing it. I, you know, my one thing is to get a thousand names on the wall of humanity, which is for those that maybe are new on here, the 1% movement.com. And I know Michelle will put that link in there. Um, and the reason that we're doing this is because I'm starting with a thousand names because if I know there's a thousand amazing humans that are committing to doing their one thing, that we are going to shift it closer to a solution, right? Just a little bit, little culture shift as we continue to go along. So my final question to you, and I thank you so much for being here, um, is what is your one thing that you're going to do to shift the dial by 1%? Because imagine if everyone does their 1%. Absolutely. Mm. Well, <clears throat> one thing. You know, I think that my one thing that I will continue to do, I'm going to bring it back into my home and talk about how I am going to continue to raise my children and expose their friends to the world of strength and leadership and love for all humanity. And I think that um, if we can all take that time to look back into ourselves and back into our homes and, you know, these are the people who are going to be the leaders of our future. And if we don't start there, um, I don't think we'll ever be able to get there. So my contribution is going to be not only to work this with my children, but my children's friends and our community and our neighbors and uh, you know, especially um, in the world that we are living in right now. And I know that was a lot of the conversation prior to me starting was, you know, how do we move forward through this really uncomfortable time um, of unrest in not only our country, but across the world. And I think that it starts with each and every one of us and what we are doing in our homes and in our communities. And that's where I'm going to start. 
So here's the thing. So I love that. But let's, like, how will I know? You know this with data, with, uh, you know, analyzing things. How will, I, how will you know that you're started to shift it at home, that things, you know, your kids are, uh, are responding in the way that you think or listening or educating or whatever it is that, that needs to happen at home. Um, and then the kids, you know, their friends as well. Like how, what, it, what's one way that you can, uh, you know, know that you've, you've, you're getting this happening? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, I, I already see it with my oldest daughter, certainly, and, and starting to with my youngest, as they're becoming vocal advocates for each other oh, um, yeah. in terms of, of, of ensuring that everyone is, is treated um, with respect and with love. You know, it was very eye-opening to me when I was um, always searching, of course, technology and seeing what our kids are doing and what they're, what they're, what they're looking up. And I realized that my 10-year-old was, was searching for information on, on what happened um, uh, out in, in Minneapolis. And, and I, it was shocking to me because I thought, shame on me that I haven't addressed this. Shame on me that she's looking outward for these things. So we really took that moment to sit down and have a really good conversation about what that means. And, and, you know, I know I'm not the only one who, who has been in that situation. So, and, and knowing that when I send them out into the world, they are prepared to answer these, start to answer these questions and start to become advocates and start to become the leaders that I know that they can be. So that they not will not sit by idly and accept injustice mm. in the world. They will not sit by and, and um, see humans, can we see humans differently? Of course, we need to acknowledge that people are different, but um, you know, understand that at the same time, you know, it's our responsibility to prepare the future for um, what they're going to encounter. And, and I think that we can see that um, by their actions, by, by the way that they treat people. I mean, that's, it's, it's um, you know, I take them with me. They, they, they come and volunteer. They know that I advocate for women who are getting out of domestic violence situations. I mean, they know it, they see mm -hmm. it, I don't hide it from them. So um, I think that once you begin to see their actions change and their talk change and the way that they are, are becoming advocates themselves, mm -hmm. um, that's your measure of success. It's so good. And I so appreciate you, girl. Thank you for an amazing conversation. Um, you know, we see you, we hear what you've had to say today, and we are so grateful for what the value you've added to the conversation. And uh, it's just, it keeps setting us up on an amazing day that we're having already. So I appreciate it like so much because I know that you're going through so much in your world. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change, to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlay. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.